This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Ben Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show and happy Father's Day. On deck today, Kevin Kiermeyer on his first Father's Day as a dad. Dave Andy and BA on the week gone by. Jim Haley on being in the Florida State League All-Star Game, plus a couple of top draft picks that have signed and great stories from several Rays players about their dads on this Father's Day. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest on this Father's Day is celebrating his first as a dad, that being Kevin Kiermeyer. So, KK, let's start by saying what does Father's Day mean to you? Well, it's uh, haven't really uh, processed it a whole lot. I don't think I'll make too big of a deal of it. I think eventually one day when my my son Carter and his future siblings, I think when they get older, you know, they they might make more of a big deal. My wife and her family they celebrate every every holiday like it's um, you know it, like everything's such a huge deal, which is fine. But for me, like even on my birthday. I don't. I don't ever want to do anything, to be honest. So I'm, I'm very easygoing, low maintenance type of guy. So Father's Day, you know, we will have a one o'clock game on Sunday. So right when I wake up at nine, I'll head to the field and be able to see, you know, my wife a little bit after the game, and then we'll go on the road trip. So honestly, it's just going to be another day. You know, you can sit here and kind of think about, you know, all the dads out there, and this is their day. But for me, I don't really make a whole lot of commotion about holidays i love christmas i love halloween i love fourth of july stuff like that but for the most part like i said i i just it's just another day for me to be quite honest well tell me this what's the most gratifying and enjoyable part about being a dad now seeing my son smile each and every day i mean that's you know that's what you hear the whole time before you have your son and you know in in baseball you know there can be some trying times on the field uh whether it's you personally or as a team it's just like you know what i just need something to um you know get my spirits up and you know last year going you know getting hurt and going through my struggles my wife was my happy place when i saw her she was always supporting me and you know going through the year i did but like i said i had so much fun playing baseball anyways it was just one of those things i struggled personally and didn't contribute to the team a whole lot and now you know i always have way more better days than than bad days that's just how I choose to live my life I I choose to live positive and happy and easygoing and at the same time when I when I go home and and see my son playing his toys and hear that little giggle from him when I wake him up from his naps and he just smiles at me there's no other feeling like it so I think that's my favorite part about being a dad and you know you kind of just look at your you know my wife and I'm just like wow you know we 
we made this perfect little creature and um, just couldn't imagine life without him and he's just the cutest thing ever always happy healthy and uh, that's all you can ask for as a parent no question about that I remember a conversation I had a couple of years ago with Steven Souza Jr. and he thought that when he had his first child it actually helped him a lot kind of separating baseball when he went home has it helped you at all do you think and if so how no I don't ever take you know whether I have a really good game or a really bad game I don't I don't take it home live and die through what we do on the field each and every night because we play way too many games to sit here and operate like that at least for me personally but you know I can't relate because it's just one of those things I know I'm going to be a dad when I'm sitting here at home and I still I think about my wife and my son all the time when I'm when I'm at the field I see him in the stands watching and he's just in his own little world not knowing where the heck he's at or anything so it's it's uh you know fun memories right now but I've heard a lot of guys say that and I think the only thing I can relate to Sousa saying that it's just one of those things where like I said if you know going through some tough times it's like you can go home and forget about everything in an instant because you're just you know you see your your child and it's just like oh this is uh this is what really is important you know if going 0 for 4 and losing a ball game 11 to 2 is the worst part about your day we're, we're doing okay in hindsight but you know family it's uh it's the main component you know health family there's there's a lot of things but it, it means so much to me so for me like I said in a nutshell I I don't take what's happening on the field at home and I don't take what's at home on the field I I just know that's uh it's just a bad uh recipe you see certain guys do it over time and like I said I just try to stay even keeled as much as possible and uh always in positive spirits no matter what and uh that's just a mindset I've created ever since I was a young kid and I'm going to try to live by that forever. What are the qualities that you think your dad gave you that you think you hope to carry on as a dad? Well, my dad is a very interesting, very interesting guy. He's a, my dad is a, let's just say he's 57. He's a 57-year-old, tra- or he he's a 12-year-old trapped in a 57-year-old's body. Let's just say that. But with that being said, my dad would have done, and still to this day, he'd do anything for me and my brothers and my mom. You know, being the man of the house, that's what you want. Go, you know, sticking their neck out there for you, whatever way possible, putting a roof over your head, food on the table, working his butt off his whole life to, uh, you know, put us through school and buy us all these little toys and bikes and remote control cars, everything like that, just because he knew it was going to make us happy. We, uh, with that being said as well, he never spoiled us where it's like anytime we won something, we got it. We weren't in the position to do that financially for one. And for two, my dad and my mom always preached us, you have to work for what you want in life. And that's what I plan on instilling in Carter because, uh, you know, me and Marissa, we're in a different situation as far as financial stuff goes than my parents. And, and I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, I know where I came from. Marissa knows where she came from. We can both relate and uh, we don't want to be anyone who we're not and we don't want to spread that message to our kids so we're always gonna you know teach them to be respectable and and you know behave you know just just know right from wrong and be a good person that's that's all and I want my son to do whatever he wants but he better be respectful to everyone out there you know never being that that little kid who everyone is just like oh boy here we go so it's one of those things where I uh, have all the confidence in the world and me and Marissa but like I said, it's one of those things where I want our upbringing to kind of be passed down to them because, you know, anything in life you do, you have to work for. And that might not be the case for everyone, but you don't want your uh, children having that mindset at a young age because once they do go in the real world, it doesn't work like that. So 
Um, I'm thankful for what my dad has taught me over the years. And, uh, you know, as much as I hated the way he operated at times when I was younger, I now looking at it, I wouldn't uh, want him to change anything about the way he uh, handled me and my brothers. And like I said, the way he treated my mom was always been great. So that's what I want to do with my kids and uh, follow his footsteps in that regard. And you've been helping some kids with Marissa this year. You created Kiermaier's Kids for the Children's Dream Fund. Why did you do it, and what have you enjoyed about it so far? Well, this is uh, this kind of dates back to, to, you know, I always told myself if I'm ever in the position to, um, you know, make a little bit of money in this game and, and have the chance to impact uh, lives of others, I, I, I want to do it because it's, it's something you kind of think about your whole life and you you know you see other other athletes when when we're coming up we're in high school or college and guys do certain foundations or whatever and you just kind of sit here and think man that's so cool but you know I'll probably never be in a position to do anything like that and after you know a couple good years and once I got my contract it was one of those things where um, you know the children's dream fund raise on the runway every year has been such a fun thing and we've been able to raise so much money for for such a great cause and and like I said me and Marissa it was just one of those things where we kind of want to take an extra step because we're um, we're able to do so and like I said I'm not going to sit here and say if I'm if I get in the position to help people I'm going to do it. Now I have to back up what I'm saying, and, and this is uh, me and my wife doing just that. And, you know, we, we helped out five uh, sick children this year, and I met them the other week out here at uh, on BP on the field. And the kids and the parents just said how much fun. They all did different things, but they were saying how much fun it was and the smile it brought to their face, and they're showing me all the pictures of their, their particular day and or their trip, whatever it was. And that's what makes it all worth it. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things like I, I do it again in a heartbeat, and I will. I'll be a part of this for a long time. I, uh, I, I mean, I plan on that at least. So it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm so fortunate to be in the position I am. And like I said, it's all about, you know, people helping people. That's make that's what makes this world go around. And I always tell people, those kids that we're helping, they are the, the strongest people on the planet, if you ask me. They sit here and they have crazy illnesses or diseases that you know they might be too young to comprehend what's going on but at the same time they know a little bit but the way they live their life with such positive attitude along with the parents as well it's just one of those things where it almost brings you to tears so for me to you know do a small part in helping them kind of forget about what they're going through each and every day for them to go meet mickey mouse or all these princesses up in disney or if they take a trip to who knows where that's what it's all about and i'm so happy that we are able to do that it's just seeing seeing those kids smile and and just knowing that you made their day is so worth it at a much older level you talk about people helping people the pride you have in the university of tampa um and to see them win a championship when you continue to work with them in the off season what does that mean to you it's awesome when I when I first got called up to the big leagues, little did I know what kind of situation I was running into with the coaching staff over there, Joe Urso, Sam Militello, Jose Jimenez, Jimenez, those guys allowing me to be on the field with them every day in the fall if I went, and that's more for me to help them. And then once the new year hits, that's when that's kind of my spring training before spring training starts. And I'm telling you, I mean, I take BP every day out there. I shag fly balls, everything I need at such a beautiful field, such a beautiful campus, university. It's awesome to see them win, uh, you know, another national championship because, you know, you always tell people you surround, you're part of a product of who you surround yourself with. And I'm not saying if they didn't win the national championship, I'd be disappointed in them. But 
they're winners. They're winners over there. It's a winning program. They have such a good thing going on over there. Joe Joe Urso is just an absolute legend. What he's created over there with all the talent he gets. They just have so much feel for the game. And I think in college, you know, there, there's I've been around some coaches who just, you know, they might think they know a lot, but that's not always the case. But I can say for Joe, Sam, Jose, it, it's like a pro practice over there. And uh, they have so much feel. They have, you know, so much baseball knowledge over there. And those, those kids, they'll never know how lucky they are until they look back, you know, maybe when they get my age or when they, you know, 40 or 50 years old and they look back and realize how lucky they were. Because sometimes in life we take things for granted and they have the best setup over there they could ever ask for. You know, I, I like to think I'm I'm a small little part of their success because I sit here and I, I talk to these guys each and every day and it's all about me giving back. Like I said, I, wanna, I want them to see certain tips on pitchers or, you know, what can they do with um, – you know, the offensive side of their game, you know, maybe something not even swing-wise, just maybe approach-wise that I've learned over the years. And, you know, I always help out with the outfielders, base runners. There's not a whole lot I can do with the infielders or pitchers. But I'm always just uh, chatting it up with the guys, and it's just so much fun. It's five minutes away from my house. It's just uh, an unbelievable setup. I could sit here and talk these guys up all day. Congrats to University of Tampa baseball team for another national championship and for the most part this group all they've done is win has this been as much fun as you've had and if this group is to get where you want to go what else needs to improve this year yeah this is um by far the 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 most fun i've ever had playing baseball and i I will say last year I, i said the same exact thing and i meant that even with my struggles i said you know what you know it's never about an individual or someone's performances we all want to play good and you know con- contribute to the team but us winning 90 games last year I've never had more fun playing baseball my whole life it was such a blast being a part of that at the highest level in baseball and we came up short of our goal but you know here we are this year this year trumps last year I mean we just have such a such a good fun team everyone gets along you know we're off to a great start but we're not content by any means we know I mean, I feel like we could have easily won 15 to 20 more games so far at this point, but every team in baseball can say it. So I'm not going to sit here and try to ramble and get off topic. But as far as improving, it's just it's one of those things where it's so hard to win on a consistent level here in the big leagues. And we, we've done that at a pretty good pace so far this year. But, you know, there's times where, um, you know, some of those games where we score – six seven runs you know our our pitchers might not have their best games and then there's other days where our pitchers are lights out and we score one or two runs and it's just well like I said every team can say it so as far as improvements like I said consistency is key whether it's individual performance or team effort performance you know so I, I think for us we just have to go out there and keep handling business the way we have been this whole year and everything else to take care of itself uh, definitely need guys to stay healthy, get some guys back who have been banged up. That'll be a huge help. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, if we get a lead, we need to we need to hold it and do whatever it takes to do that. And then, you know, we're down late. We have to, you know, never show quit in us and, and always have that uh, competitive will to, to come back in those games. Because that's what the best teams in baseball do. They shut you down when they're up and then... When they're down one in the seventh, eighth, or ninth, it's never over until that last out is made. And, uh, you know, we've done a pretty good job of that so far. But like I said, as, as long as we stay consistent, one through nine, everyone know their role, do their part, we're going to be fine. Our pitchers are, are flat out nasty. So we just need guys to go out there, play their potential, and like I said, everything else take care of itself. But it's an absolute joy being a part of this team. 
you know, I think I'm speaking for everyone when I say that because we're having an absolute blast out there. Continue to enjoy it. Enjoy your first Father's Day, and thanks for some time on This Week in Rays Baseball. All right. Thanks, Neil. That's Kevin Kiermeyer. We're back in a moment. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you. This is This Week in Rays Baseball. Joining me now to discuss the week gone by, Dave Andy, NBA. Happy Father's Day, guys. Same, same to you. Same to you. How are you? Uh, let's okay, yeah, uh, no, listen, sorry about that. i got to turn the mic on. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, it's radio. Last game. You have to do a lot of stuff on your own. <laughs> yes, you do. I was just going to say that. Thank you, Dave. Uh, for this group today, how important is this game? I know it's only game 71, but you're trying to just salvage a split, and we know what's ahead with this road trip. Neil, didn't you listen to your own post-game show yesterday? <laughs> you kept telling everybody who was saying it's a must-win that it's not a must-win. There's no such thing as a must-win in mid-June, especially when you're only playing game number 71. Now, from a mental uh, standpoint, I think for uh, the manager, Kevin Cash, I think for maybe a couple of his coaches, and probably for a few of the players, uh, it would be a much-needed win. I think, uh, you know, again, this has been a dip- disappointing homestand so far, and I think a big part of it right now lays in the lap of uh, our pitching, who's allowing the uh, the opponent to get early runs and scoring, uh, you know, three and four runs in the first couple of innings of games. But our offense, the, the left-handed pitching that uh, we've faced here on this homestand, it seems to be doing the same thing over and over again. And our offense continues to do the same thing over and over again. And all I keep hearing from Kevin Cash, adjustments, 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 and it doesn't seem like we're making them. NBA. And from a player standpoint, I mean, we see what's going on. The Rays and Yankees are alternating half game up, half game back. They're coming up next in the schedule. They look like they're about to get a, a big pickup in Encarnacion. Do the boys ever get together, maybe not even formally, to say, guys, we kind of need to bank a win here on this Sunday? You know what? Not really. I, I mean, the, in, inherently you're, you're thinking that, you know, especially the way that the last homestand ended. But most of these guys are stuck in the moment. You know, they'll talk about Encarnacion going to the Yankees like, look, they are here, here they go. Let's go out and do our thing. But I, I think, you know, looking at this team from the outside, yeah, this is an important game to get a win because you want to get the good vibes back. You're, you're going on a challenging road trip where you're going to be all over the country. You're going from New York uh, out to the West Coast and then to Minneapolis. Uh, you know, some challenging teams, obviously, um, and some challenging travel. So you want to get that off to a good start. Uh, but, but overall, players try to stay in the moment, and that is get a win today. Yesterday, disappointing, but you got to let that go and get after it again today. You can't think about the Yankees tomorrow. You start to spread your mind a little too thin, and guess what? Today bites you. I, I, and I know today, again, it's just one, and, and he's been quiet the first couple of games back. How important do you guys each believe that Joey Wendell rejoining this team this series has been? I, I think he's really big because he's going to allow the Rays to do some different things on the infield. I mean, Willie Adamas has been kind of touch and go a little bit offensively and defensively for that matter. And Daniel Robertson, we know, has already been sent out. So this allows you to have Choi at first, Diaz at third, and the middle infield of Lau at second and Wendell at short. So maybe from a practical standpoint, the Rays get a little jumping off against right-handed pitchers and, and even against lefties. How, how interesting was it the other night? when uh, the, the night where the race came back, where he, he had the lineup in there that he kind of had to use, and then the moment they went to that bullpen, yeah. pinch hitter, pinch hitter, pinch hitter, that told me that's the lineup he wants to use. Well, and it was so aggressive, and it was so smart because you're going to get that you know innings worth of at-bats with all those lefties, and then all of a sudden you're going to get at least one more from all of them. So great move by Cash, and, I, and you're right. I think he loves that lineup, especially against the righties. And Joey Wendell's just a, another you know, blue-collar type player that this team has been built around that fits in so well. You love the versatility that he gives you. And, and you know, even in speaking to that game, when that 
half inning was over, the Rays had a, a whole new infield, including catcher. You know, so you had five new, you know, moving some around, some new guys injected into the game. So, you know, he continues to bring that versatility. You can play him all over the place, and you can keep guys engaged. You know, I mean, you're not stuck with a certain position. You can move him, get Lau in, you, all these different moving parts, and keep guys, um, really keep them sharp. And just looking at today's lineup, when you look down and you see Avi Garcia hitting in the number seven spot, and he's not down there because he's in a one for 25 or anything like that. He's just down there because that's where it, fits with a couple of guys back uh, it thickens up the lineup a little bit too so I mean you know yes we need a couple guys to really get going I think Mike Zanino is at the top of the list to kind of get a little more of that uh, circular kind of uh, lineup going but you know, it, it's good to have him back and then watching you know watching Matt Duffy warm up again today and do some things the sooner he can get back I know we've had this stop and start stop and start with him a couple times but boy if you can get him back maybe that could change the whole landscape of what we've been doing against left-handed pitching too. I would think that would be the case, um, and even if you if you discount Matt because he hasn't played yet this year, this really is kind of the first time the the entire lineup has been together since the opening series, hasn't it? Well, I'm trying to think. Was it even then? I mean, we we haven't had the whole group together that we thought that we'd have back in February together even once this year, and it may end up being where our greatest acquisitions could be guys that we had all along. You know, maybe you, you bring up a guy like Brendan McKay and that could be a, a great acquisition. You, you know, a guy like Ian Jabot is starting to pitch. Well, we thought he'd be in the mix right back in spring training mm-hmm. and he's throwing hard again. You know, maybe the acquisition will be Matt Duffy that you put him in there. And maybe we get a little better against left-handed pitching. Cause right now to me, Maybe that's, well, maybe not the number one. Number one concerns the bullpen. Number two concern is that we're not making adjustments against left-handed starters. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as what you were talking about, Dave, with uh, Matt Duffy, if he's ever able to get back a right-handed bat, you, I know this. I know that Eric Neander is looking all over the place, and no stone will be left unturned in trying to improve this roster. He just watched uh, what the Yankees were able to do in bringing in Encarnacion, and I think, and we may have talked about this before, but I think when you go back to free agency, Free agency starts, the Rays almost immediately jump in and sign Charlie Morton for two years, and you say to yourself, wow, that's a shot across the bow. You don't sign Charlie Morton to be competitive. You sign Charlie Morton Mm -hmm. because you think you have an opportunity to have a special season. And because of that, I think that even with the the financial flexibility that they have, that they're going to be looking to add. And eventually, I think that not only will they add from guys within, I think that you'll see that you know for sure but i think that they're gonna bring in a piece or two from from the outside to help bolster this team down the street yeah you know i mean into the naysayers you say well that's not what the rays usually do well the rays don't usually sign a pitcher to two years yes. 30 million dollars either so i think the, the times they are a change and i think that eric and Hyman and company are looking to be aggressive and all right let me ask you this and neil you can go sit back. i'm just kidding but <laughs> let me ask you this question here uh, ba all right if you're the rays how do you counter what the the Yankees have done in acquiring an, uh, an Encarnacion. Do you go out and try and find a boppy yourself, or do you maybe go out and try and find more pitching to say, you know what, all right, we can't keep up with the with the uh, you know the, the runs or the or the offense, but maybe we can counter with some pitching and defense and, and get back to really how the Rays put the banners up on the uh, left field wall. You know what, I, I would uh, I would say that it, it would depend on what's available. You know, what kind of bat could they go get? What would it cost? I'm sure that that. That's being discussed. However, for me, I think you, like you were talking about uh, earlier, the, the bullpen. That that's what you know, Andy. You're talking about that bullpen, and I think that that's exactly 
one of the aspects and areas of this team that they need to, to bolster some uncertainty down there, um, especially when you get towards that back end. And anytime you can thicken that up, the way that the Rays are uh, so progressive with their pitching staff, uh, that's going to go a long way to help. So I think I would probably lean that way unless some slugger, which this doesn't ever happen, kind of falls into your lap. You were a been there, done that guy at the end of your career because you had been there and done that. But before that, before you went to your first playoff appearance, was it important to lean on some guys who had been there and done that, or is that overstated by guys like Andy and I who may not know the feeling down in the dark? No, I, I think that that's very important. I think that that's what was so special about that 2008 team. When you think about some of the veterans they had there, you know, Cliff Floyd comes to mind and Eric Hinsky and those type of players, uh, they can help guide you. I, I mean, they can – there's just – that experience that those type of guys bring that bring you know, to a clubhouse – is so important for the young guys to to feed off of that. that. That's if they're willing to. And I think that this group is. This is a great character group of guys. And so the veterans that have been there, done that, Charlie Morton with the pitching staff, you can go pick their brain. Um, you know, they can explain. I can remember this. I can remember when we were uh, making the playoffs in 2001 with the, uh, the Diamondbacks, and uh, Mike Morgan was a part mm. of that pitching staff. It was his 23rd year in Major League Baseball, had never been to the postseason yeah. and he was as nervous as a player you could imagine and I can remember sitting out there because I had pitched with the Indians you know in 97 and then 99 was in the playoffs with the Diamondbacks and talking to him and saying hey look just just calm down it's baseball and there's a lot of hoopla and you're talking about batting practices packed with media you know everything is is notched up a couple of levels but guess what when it, when push comes to shove and you stand out on the mound you've got the scouting report on the hitter you've got your three or four pitches Pitches, just go execute. The game is the same. Let all of the, the, the stuff, the ancillary stuff, go by the wayside. But that was an interesting thing to watch a guy in the game that long, and he was beside himself not knowing what to expect. It's an incredible story. And, Neil, you can speak to this too, but in terms of trades, it does take two teams. I can remember in 2008, the two big guys that were on the market, and we thought, at least the race thought, they, they could use some help against left-handed pitchers, were Jason Bay and Xavier Nady at the time. Both were the Pirates. The Rays thought that their package was going to be good enough. Not only good enough, they thought that the package was better offering to get either of those guys, and they ended up getting neither of those guys. It's turned out. I can remember Andrew Friedman. It's probably all right to say now. Who cares? It's a decade ago, and Andrew's not here. But he said, we thought we, had, we were offering a much better package to get those guys than the Yankees and the Red Sox were. Lo and behold, the Pirates chose to deal with those teams. You can offer a great package. You can offer money. You can offer great prospects, and the Rays should have both of those uh, to spare, but if the other team doesn't want to do that, you can't make them trade with you. No, and uh, it makes for a good point, and it certainly makes for what's going to be a real entertaining next six weeks all the way to the deadline. Guys, enjoy your Father's Day, and thanks for joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. Hey, we're, we're glad you could join us today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thank you, Bill. Time now on This Week in Rays Baseball to look at the race on the minor league side. Joining me, a guy who just was part of the Florida State League All-Star Game, that is Jim Haley. Congrats, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for having me on. Tell me what it meant to get that honor, to be named a, a Florida State League midseason All-Star. It's always a great honor, um, especially getting recognized for the year you've had and 
I started off with a slow this year and finally picked it up. So to be recognized for, for what you're doing at any level is it's always a great honor. So just happy to happy to be going. What um what turned things for you? You know, you take a look at your numbers. I think probably um, from mid May on, you've been one of the more dominant players in the league. Uh, for me, it was just making the small adjustments, especially at the plate, just letting the ball come to me instead of I was being a little too aggressive to start off the year. I think just wanting to get on track instead of just letting things play out because. Uh, having confidence in yourself, so I made that adjustment to uh, let the ball come to me instead of going to get the ball, and uh, it's really it's really paid off for me so far. And you put uh, numbers up offensively, probably the close to the best that you've had in your pro career, at least RBI wise. You, you you're on a pace to drive in well over more well more runs than you have in your career. Are there things that you're doing differently with runners in scoring position that are allowing you to kind of just stay calm? Absolutely, and I think that's the biggest thing is staying calm. Getting there is a scoring position. It's one of those things where you, you really have to slow it down and take advantage, and I think I've uh, I really honed in on that these past two years, just taking taking good at-bats and, and swinging at the quality pitch instead of just anything in the zone. For me, it was always, if it's in the zone, take a hack, but as you get higher and higher in levels, these pitchers get pretty good. So we always talk about you're going to get one one good pitch in a bat. Um, so you put your best swing on that best pitch. I've, I've really taken that into uh, consideration. It's helped with the uh, the RBI numbers. So And on the other side of the ball, you've played, I think, every position but shortstop in, in the organization. Where do you feel most comfortable, and how important to you is positional flexibility? Most comfortable? In college, I was two years, my first two years of shortstop, and then my, my junior year of third baseman. I'd say I'm most comfortable at the corners. I don't get as much playing time as I would like in the outfield, but it's something that uh, I really enjoy playing now. But I definitely feel most comfortable at, at third and first. And we always uh, we always joke around trying to get back to shortstop. I don't think that it's going to happen because of the talent we have in the organization. But uh, definitely most comfortable at the, the hot corners. How important is it to you, I mean, in terms of trying to move up the ladder, to have that flexibility? I mean, I look at a lot of guys in this organization, whether it's at the big league level or at the minor league level, it seems like every club has guys who can play four, five, six spots. Yeah, I think the Rays especially, I think they do uh, an unbelievable job of developing the utility guys. And honestly, I, I never saw myself coming into pro ball being a utility guy. But now that I'm kind of getting a little taste of it, I'm just I'm, I'm running with it. I, I really enjoy it. It, also, it almost gives me a, a fresh perspective every day coming into the, coming into the ball field, not, not necessarily knowing where I'm going to play. But playing different positions, especially offensively, if I get into a little run at the plate, it almost gives me a, a fresh view getting a, a different a different defensive spot on the diamond every day. It helps me out offensively and keeps me into a rhythm. But, yeah, I just really embraced it, and I'm still trying to work with it and uh, get as good as I can because it can only help. You were um, a 19th-round pick uh, out of Penn State initially. I talked to a lot of guys who were third-day selections about this. How much of a chip do you carry, and how much do you think that motivates you, carries you, helps you grow? Uh, I think more than you think. It's always there, I think, for me. Looking at the draft, if you get drafted, whether it's the first round or the 40th round, you, you're getting a chance. Taking advantage of, of that opportunity is, is the biggest thing, and I, that's just my personality. I definitely wear it on my shoulder, and but you, you can't play like, oh, I was a 19th-round pick and this guy was a first-round pick. It's the same game all the way through, whether you're a first-rounder or a 40th-rounder, and 
Yes, I, I definitely, it's definitely in the back of my mind at all times. Definitely a good attitude to have. For you, from your baseball passion, what ignited that? I know you grew up in the Philly area. Uh, you went to Penn State. W- when did you start playing baseball, and did you have other sports that you played? So I played. I started playing baseball probably from the time I could walk. Um, what helped me is I came. I come from a family of uh, ten, of nine siblings, eight brothers and a sister, hmm. four older brothers. So growing up in that house, it was always. When I was younger, I'd always want to play with my older brothers, but they didn't want me to play because I was too young. So I'd go into the house crying to my mom about they won't let me play. And she said, you can play, but they're not they're not taking it easy on you. So growing up, I kind of always had to play up to their to their competition level. And all, the, all four of my older brothers all played baseball. They're pretty darn good at it. Definitely some credit to them there. Um, I also played football growing up all through high school. Uh, I kind of had to make a decision my senior year of high school what I wanted to do there. And baseball had always been my love since I was since I was young, and decided to stick with that. And nothing's changed since. What would it mean to them? Would it would it mean to you someday to get to the big leagues? I mean, it's been the dream since you're a kid. My family is unbelievable. The support they give me. They. I mean, even right now, I think just getting drafted for them was was a huge deal. And I get a text after every game from multiple family members. Just check it in seeing how I'm doing, but to get to the big leagues, I mean, it's the ultimate goal. I think I think my family would they would want nothing more, and, and neither would I. Well, keep pushing. Great to see that you made a Florida State League All-Star game. Hopefully other steps along the ladder are coming soon, and we appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. Thanks so much, Neil. Appreciate it. And that is Jim Haley of the Charlotte Stone Crabs, a Florida State League midseason all-star. Coming up, you'll hear from some signed draft picks and some great Father's Day stories. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. The Rays now have signed their top four picks. They did so this week and 23 of 42 overall. Greg Jones of UNC Wilmington was at the top of the class and told me Tuesday how exciting the day was for him. I just feel like it's a a big step in my career, a big step in the right direction, seeing what potentially I could be in the future. Seeing here is just pretty much giving myself a goal of what to achieve in life. Being here at the ballpark, would you call it motivating in some ways? Oh, of course. It's motivating because, like I said, it's just one of the goals you set to yourself, set, set yourself to be as one of these Major League Baseball players playing in a park like this. So, you know, you can do whatever it takes to get there. When I spoke with Rob Metzler a little bit about you and, and when they drafted you, they said one of the biggest things that stood out was that every time they came to watch you, you were better. What does that mean to hear something like that? I mean, it just means that the guy they come look at is always a always striving for being better than what he was. You can never settle and be the same player. you got to always constantly be better because everyone else is getting better, and that's the only way to keep up. Tell me what this day means to your family. Um, I know your mom, your dad, your sister came with you. You know, it means a lot to them seeing what, how much hard work is paid off and how much money they spent is finally paying off, well, starting to pay off a little bit. So, you know, they're extremely excited to see what happens in the future. What kind of smile was on your face when you signed the contract, knowing that you're starting your pro career? Yeah, it was a very, I got my smile out and then saw the paperwork, and it was about as tall as I was, so changed a little bit. But, you know, it was, all, it was exciting, I would say. How important was it to get it done and get it done quickly uh, so that you could get started in your pro career and get your first taste of what baseball is going to be like at a different level? Yeah, I mean, baseball is the only thing I know, so being able to be, go to the next level like this and be what you want to be in life, you know, I was ready to get to it as soon as possible. And obviously you have, what do you think will be the biggest challenges for you? I will say being away from home for so long, you know, and we got a close-knit family. 
I just feel like just being away from home, away from friends and family and stuff like that would be the hardest for me because as long as I'm playing the game of baseball, I can make friends and I can have fun. So that's all I really need. And how would you describe your personality too? Because you seem pretty serious, but obviously having fun is important also. Yeah, I mean, I'm easy, easy, easy to get along with, easy going. That's what's, that's why it's so easy for me to make friends. So like whenever I travel like team to team, I'll, it won't be hard for me to become friends with some of the guys on the team. And that is top pick Greg Jones, who's now joining Hudson Valley to play shortstop there. The second raised pick was the only high school choice of Tiaba Bay on day one. That is J.J. Goss, a pitcher who signed on Friday. I'm just glad I got the opportunity to continue like my baseball career and start professionally straight out of high school is definitely something that's going to be with me for the rest of my life. You obviously had a, a terrific school that you had committed to in Texas A&M. Was the decision difficult at all for you, and what was the most difficult part of the decision? Uh, yes, it was definitely a, a tough decision. I picked Texas A&M because I loved it there, and just the opportunity to go to one of the best schools in Texas um, was definitely hard to pass up, but being able to start my dream early and dream come true, make it come a reality, it's just something I can't pass up. As a pitcher, how nice is it for you to be in this ballpark and be here on a night where Blake Snell, one of the probably best stories in terms of development in the organization, is starting? Um, it's definitely going to perfect perfect example out there and it's going to be someone I look up through as I go through the organization. Tell me what this means to your family and who came with you on this trip. Uh, yes, sir. My uh, mom and my step stepfather came and I'm just glad they got to be here and experience this with me and watch everything and how it goes on. Where are you going to go to start your pro career? Gulf Coast League, Princeton, what's the plan? Um, I'll be at the GCL down in Port Charlotte. And what are you most looking forward to or what do you think will be the greatest challenge as you start your pro career? Uh, Definitely getting my feet wet and just kind of knowing my way around and getting used to what a professional baseball player's day is like every day just trying to experience the grind. And who have, who, if anyone, do you know in the race system? Is you're from the Houston area? Uh, I actually know of Shane Boz, and he actually reached out to me the day after I got drafted. And so, how exciting was that to get that message? Uh, yeah, I was kind of excited seeing Shane Boz uh, kind of texting me, and just knowing that someone in the race organization is going to be there. He's going to look out for me. And that is J.J. Goss, and we wish him lots of success in the Gulf Coast League as he starts his pro career. While Goss is beginning his professional career, Colin Pochet debuted in the majors with the Rays within the past week, and I asked the left-hander to reflect. It's a really fun group of guys to be around, ton of talent, a ton of team chemistry. Guys are pulling for each other, and it just makes it a fun environment to play in. Have you pinched yourself a little bit yet? I mean, it's been quite a quite a ride and also quite a move up the ladder too over the last year and change um yeah i was actually you know talking to my dad the other day and just we were kind of looking back on just some of the stuff you know over early in my career that just happened and that kind of led to this point and then it's been crazy what's been most eye-opening in the first week and change for you and how much did the adjustment to a major league ball help in your first two months in triple a this year you know, nothing's been just really eye-opening. Uh, maybe like a bunch of little things kind of surprise you here and there, but nothing too crazy. But uh, the ball the ball change in AAA is nice because you don't have to worry about, you know, something. maybe your pitch won't move the same when you get up here or something like that. So it's been a good transition. 
When did you feel comfortable with that ball? Because you had kind of a challenging spring training, and how much of that was some of the issues that you did have? You know, I don't think the ball really played into that at all. I uh, I was able to use it over the off season to get used to it, and so uh, I don't think it's really ever been a factor, but there's definitely a comfort level with it now. And I think you relayed earlier in the week that maybe Rick Knapp had a little bit of your turnaround in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. Um, early on in spring training and early on in the season, he's been he's been real big for me. Just uh, did a great job of, you know, making sure I never lost confidence in myself and, you know, telling me, like, hey, you're throwing the ball well. I know the results aren't there, but you're going to get through this. And uh, it was huge for me. But he also had a little bit of a impact on your increase in velocity lately, too. Yeah, he did. Uh, so he came out to the mound uh, one game and kind of kind of looked at me and said, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you're not even trying to throw the ball hard out there. Like, you're just kind of guiding it. And so he got off the mound, and it kind of made me mad. I was like, this guy thinks I'm not trying. Like, what? what's the deal here? And then uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, man, I, I'm, I'm open to trying anything right now. So I just basically, it sounds simple and dumb, but I just tried to throw harder, and it's it's worked out. Certainly has, and that is Colin Pochet. It has worked out for him in his first week in the majors. Now, one great story in the minors is the year that Brendan McKay is having. Pitching coordinator Dewey Robinson was at Tropicana Field this week and told me what makes McKay special on the mound. I'll say this. Uh, very impressive. Very happy for him the year he's put together. You know, he started in Montgomery and ran through the league pretty easily, and now we uh, sent him to actually sent him the AAA to be challenged. Number one, now he's using the Major League Baseball. Ball jumps better. Competition's a little tougher. We we at the minor league level, we cannot duplicate what he's going to go through here at the Trop at the major league level. There's just a big gap, but you try to get as close as you possibly can, and the ballparks and the way the ball jumps now. With the Major League Baseball, it's it's about as close as we can get to it. But back to Brendan, I couldn't be more pleased with how he's handled everything on the pitching side. The most impressive thing for me with him is his command of his fastball. I mean, he's just 91 to 94. He could get on a few pitches at 95, 96, but he's a four-pitch guy. But the command of his fastball just sets everything up off of that. Where has he improved the most from last year? I know he did miss some time. He's starting to use his other pitches. Again, the competition is going to force him to do that. So that's another reason we also moved him to AAA to get him to use his off-speed pitches. But everything with Brennan for now works off of uh, his ability to locate, force guys to swing, get bad swings, jam them. You know, you see very little walks off the guy. He's always striking out at least one an inning. Uh, sometimes quite a few more, but uh, I've been really impressed with uh, everything he's done so far this year. And that is the Rays minor league pitching coordinator Dewey Robinson speaking about Brendan McKay, who last night faced the Scranton team that had Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton on rehab while with Durham. And McKay threw five shutout innings. Judge, Stanton, they were 0 for 4 against him with three strikeouts. Brendan McKay now is allowed three runs in his last 40 innings, certainly to be a factor with the Rays at some point this season. This is Father's Day, and the show certainly would not be complete without some great Father's Day memories from the players, like the Rays' Brandon Lau, whose dad Tom coached and introduced Brandon to the game. 
Uh, it's really hard to kind of put into words how much he's, you know, what he's done for me over the years and, you know, how much he means to me. You know, I definitely wouldn't be in the spot that I am today without, you know, his guidance and everything that he's done for me growing up. And, you know, one story that I always, you know, go back to a lot is when I was real little, I'd have like a broomstick or something like that in the house and my dad would roll up socks and would chuck socks and I'd try to hit him, try to hit my sister or, you know, if there's someone walking in the background and, you know, he's a big reason why I love the game so much and I can't thank him enough. Matt Duffy expressed similar thoughts and said stories about his dad, Tom, were hard to come up with. This might sound a little cliche, but talking about a single story or a, a single moment kind of wouldn't do, I feel, our relationship justice. You know, he's always been... I've had a lot of mentors in my career, but he's always been the main one uh, from from start to finish. He's he's the one who taught me my work ethic, and without that, I don't think I'd come anywhere close to being where I'm at today. I don't care if somebody gave me the most important piece of baseball knowledge that I've ever received, but without the work ethic, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, that's always been the driving force behind my career and who I try to, I guess, be as a person, and I get that from him. You know, he, he taught me that, I guess, when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Kind of just basically said, you know, whatever you want, you can get it as long as you are relentless about it. This might sound a little cliche, but talking about a single story or a, a single moment kind of wouldn't do, I feel, our relationship justice. You know, he's always been, I've had a lot of mentors in my career, but he's always been, you know, the main one. Uh, from from start to finish, he's he's the one who taught me my work ethic, and without that, I don't think I'd come anywhere close to being where I'm at today. I don't care if somebody gave me the most important piece of baseball knowledge that I've ever received, but without the work ethic, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, that's always been the driving force behind my career, and who I try to, I guess, be as a person, and I get that from him. You know, he he taught me that, I guess, when I was about. 12 or 13 years old, kind of just basically said, you know, whatever you want, you can get it as long as you are relentless about it. And Duffy continues to be that way as he looks to return to the field. A lot of Austin Meadows' memories of his dad, Kenny, do involve baseball. He would always get us out, me and my brother out in the yard, and we would, you know, we would play play some backyard baseball or like we would always do something regarding baseball whether it was playing in the yard or hitting in a net or having a, that little net in the garage or doing you know doing all sorts of stuff um to try to get better and that's kind of we don't have any crazy stories but i remember just always being on the yard always being outside always throwing hitting doing everything we could to to try to get better and are there certain qualities that you know you think you learned through all that um or that he pushed to that helped you yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I think is hard work. You know, he's always taught me, you know, hard hard work. He's always taught me, you know, tough times. You know, there's going to be tough times, but being a tougher person to be able to mentally get through it and physically get through it is going to, you know, ultimately set you up for your future. Which looks bright for Austin. Mike Sonino's dad, Greg, got Mike into baseball, and that's what makes Mike's first Father's Day special. It's going to be awesome. You know, uh, you know obviously, uh there, there's aspects of playing this game that you mean is, is rewarding, but uh, to know that uh, to know that not only will my wife be in the stands, but uh, my son too, and uh, it's it's a really cool experience and something I'm definitely going to soak in. You have a dad who's obviously been a role model in a lot of ways. How do you want to be like your dad? Uh, I think you mean just giving him 
uh, my son the freedom, you know, to pursue what he wants to pursue. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things I grew up, you know, uh, with a father in this sport. It's something that I ended up, you know, loving to do. But, you know, if he has a different avenue that he wants to pursue, I'll be in his corner 100%. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, be able to play this game long enough, though, where he can experience a little bit of this level, too. And perhaps Rhett will someday be in a raise uniform. Adam Kolarik was introduced to the game as a kid because his dad, Frank, was a minor leaguer who eventually threw batting practice for the Orioles. I was pretty young at the time. Um, there are some pictures of me like being, as a newborn, you know, him on the field um, holding me. But um, it was really cool. He, he was no longer throwing BP, but he still had you know, a lot of friends you know, that were you know, strength and conditioning coaches and other coaches that were on the field. So uh, fortunately, you know, those... Uh, those friends of his would bring us down on the field and then into the locker room. So, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, five, six years old, I mean, some of the best memories of being in the locker room and getting to meet Cal Ripken. And, you know, at that time, you know, the, that team was, you know, very, very solid with, you know, Mike Messina, Roberto Alomar, Palmero, Anderson, those kind of players. So, like, you know, who I watched growing up and then getting to meet him as a five or six-year-old was incredible. And that is Adam Kolarik, and we want to thank all of the race players who provided their cool Father's Day memories, be they Brandon Lau or Adam Kolarik or Matt Duffy, Austin Meadows, and Mike Sunino as well. And we certainly appreciate all of our guests today on This Week in Rays Baseball. Hey, the Rays Family Pack, presented by Coca-Cola, is available for select summer Sunday home games. Buy three or more tickets for $17 each and receive a 20-ounce Coca-Cola beverage with each ticket. For more details, visit RaysBaseball.com slash specials. We mentioned all the guests we had on the program today, and we certainly appreciate each of them coming on, including Kevin Kiermeyer to chat about his first Father's Day and what Father's Day means to him. Thanks to Dave, Andy, as well as B.A. from Fox Sports Sun joining us to discuss the latest roundtable on the week on by. Uh, congratulations to Jim Haley, utility player for the Charlotte Stone Crabs, who just participated in the Florida State League game, All-Star game. Congratulations as well to Greg Jones and J.J. Goss signing their contracts this week. The race top two picks beginning their professional careers in Hudson Valley and the GCL respectively. And also thanks to Colin Pochet, who's in his first full week in the big leagues on kind of giving us a, a glimpse of his experiences. And also thanks to the minor league pitching coordinator of the race, Dewey Robinson, for addressing Brendan McKay, who's been lately the race top prospect overall hey all young fans can be part of the action with Rays rookies kids club presented by outback steakhouse for just ten dollars you receive a ticket to every sunday home game a race snapback hat a ticket to a tampa bay rowdy's home match and much more sign up now racebaseball.com slash raise rookies if you ever have something you want to hear on this program all you have to do is tweet me at neil solons now next week we'll chat with shortstop Willie Adamas, for my producer, Derek DuBose, Neil Solon saying happy Father's Day. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next on the Race Baseball Network.